Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for another week of Parramatta and NRL news as we enter the international slate of the season are my good mates, 60s and Quint. Fellas, fantastic to have you on board. I'll start, as always, with you, 60s. How's your week been, mate? Uh, look, not too bad, mate. It's um, starting to get back into the swing of things. It's uh, obviously been busy with a few other things that I've had to tidy up at home. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, now getting back into the swing of things. Had uh, the first bumpers up in some time published today. Um, had a, a BGA meeting that I attended on Monday, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in our uh, podcast. But, yeah, looking forward to some footy this weekend. And we're really not that far away from the preseason starting. So it'll be all all guns blazing very soon for the TCT preseason. And it's going to be a very big preseason for the club, we imagine, with our what we hope to be a pretty strong cadre of young players being in the mix. So very keen to see your reports on that as they develop 60s. And Clint, uh, always a pleasure to have you on this podcast, mate. And now that we're once a week, we, we've got you as a regular, which is a fantastic thing for us, mate. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, gentlemen. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's um, it's a interesting time of year, isn't it? When, you know, you sort of are rolling into what I, I suppose the NRL and the... Um, and, and the global rugby league body, I hope, is um, uh, international season. Um, but, look, I'll be lying if I said I don't miss watching our boys every week, gents. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but uh, de- definitely getting itchy feet and, and keen to hear some more Eels news, which we'll, we'll touch on some of that tonight. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll do a full preview of the international footy and, um you know, get our little dose of rugby league as we uh, progress into the off-season. Mm-hmm. Well, what are we now? We're like six weeks since the last Eels NRL game. Yeah, round 26 oh. it was for us. So you had a, a bye week it's and then forever. four weeks of finals. It's, it's been a long, long time since Parramatta action. Yeah, yeah. well, this, this is actually week seven now, isn't it? So, um, the, gee, some of our boys have almost had their full off-season break. That's, yes. that's how long it's been yeah. since they played. Yeah, so they're, wow. they're going to enter the preseason hopefully very fresh, barring the boys involved in the uh, international slate of games. Um, so it'll be what we imagine is the complete opposite of this year's prep where we had the World Cup impacting every team, but obviously the Eels too. So, yeah, they're going to have uh, every reason to be fit and firing for the preseason. And uh, before we get into our full wrap-up or... Uh, I suppose, previewing all the other stuff that's happening as well. Let's have a quick shout-out to the sponsors of the show, as always. Thanks to Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta, helping us make each and every episode. Thanks, boys. Thanks, fellas. All right, let's get right into it. News team, assemble! And uh, I wouldn't call it sparse, but it's not a busy week of Parramatta news, which is to be expected. We, we are still hunting for signings to round out our top 30. 
Uh, but we did have a confirmation of one of our top 30 pickups. Uh, we spoke about it in the past, boys, but Kelma Tuolangi has been made official to the Parramatta Reels. It's uh, what amounts to the rest of his lifetime contract with the Manly Seagulls, so a two-year deal with the Blue and Gold. Uh, we're not sure what split is the uh, between the eel, Seagulls and the Eels, but we do know that Parramatta love to have a, a what's the uh, word I'm looking for here? Uh, subsidized. subsidized contract. Yep, there you go. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy if the tool only pick up. I think it'll be a solid acquisition. Um, I, I don't think any of our stances would have changed too much since we last spoke about it. No, no. I think it's, uh, I mean, really all that we've had since then is simply official confirmation. Yeah, and so, the, the, I mean, at, at very basic levels, the maths on it is Andrew Davey out via retirement, Kelma Tulangi in, and Davey obviously was a, a great find for us uh, as a prospect going back a few years, but it's, I think it's fair to say that Tulangi should be a net positive to the roster. That's not to say that Davey was a negative, but Tulangi's 24 years old, prototypical build for an edge forward, uh, you know, hasn't realised all his potential. A lot of the, the sort of boxes being ticked for the Brad Alpha special here. Yeah, it seems to be the um, prototypical, uh, you spoke about a prototypical uh, build for a, a back rower. Uh, what, we're, what we're really talking about is a prototypical Eels recruitment in this regard, mm. isn't it? Like yeah. a player who hasn't realised his potential at his previous club. The Eels looking for a bargain by managing to get a bit of a subsidised contract as well, which uh, again, they don't mind doing and looking for BA to uh, work some magic to help a player uh, maybe fully realise his potential or, or, or to simply, plainly and simply, get a, a bargain value recruit. And speaking of recruitment, the Eels and their chase for an outside back or you know, whether it's a premium outside back or a way to bolster their back line continues... Although the rumour mill's starting to get into gear a little bit, 60s. You can take this one away from me, mate. But uh, maybe the Eels might be on the trail of an outside back. Yeah, there's look, there's a bit of a rumour circulating around at the moment. And we don't really deal too much in rumours here. Obviously, we get a lot that gets sent to us. And uh, we maybe try and dig a little bit deeper and see if there's any any facts to it. But... As a site, we generally don't. We generally steer clear of it because, as most people can imagine, the number of rumours that float around during any given year are just so numerous. And not only that, a lot of them are absolutely ridiculous. So, um, but given that the Eels are looking desperately for outside backs, and given that pace is a uh, seems to be a prerequisite for who we are looking to recruit. There's a rumour floating around that we are adding an outside back from the Shire to the roster. And a name that that could possibly fit the bill and seems it seems to be the name that a lot of people are throwing out there is Connor Tracy. Uh, whether that is, I should emphasise, there is absolutely no uh, confirmation, no um, nothing even giving any weight to it that's leaking out of the club itself. So I want to make that very clear. This is pure rumour stuff floating around, but yeah, 
may who knows there could be something to it if there is let's just go down the path if there is would that be a positive signing for you fellas Quinn, I'll let you lead this one off, mate. Uh, look, you have to look at it from a number of different positions. And you know, one is that we have to fill out our top 30. Two, we want to have quality depth and players capable of playing NRL and hopefully extended levels of NRL in the case of an injury. And three, um, the, the needs of the top 30. You touched on the fact that we need speed. Couldn't agree more with that sentiment. It's it's it's, it's something that we're lacking as a whole across um, our backline at the moment. Connor Tracy is an example of a player with lots of speed. Look, he he's someone that's sort of I, I don't I don't know whether I refer to him as a consistent first grader because although he's played a lot of first grade over the past two maybe three seasons at Cronulla, he probably hasn't been in their top pick seventeen with everyone available. Um, across that same period of time. So, but th- there's absolutely a rugby league player there. And, you know, whether you consider him a better option than um, what we've currently got, you probably find a couple in the camp of, um, yes, he is. And then you probably find a couple in the camp that go, oh, maybe, or probably not. Um, to answer your question in full, though, a net positive? Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy that can play multiple positions. Um, I'm not entirely certain if he's home center, um, fullback, wing. He's played all the, like he played most of his juniors in the halves as well. I th- actually think he may have even debuted against us while playing for South Sydney a number of years back. Um, but look, he's he, he's a guy that could absolutely add some value. Um, but is it that blue chip um, outside back signing? No, but it is someone that would add value if that signing were to eventuate. Okay, 40, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, utility in the back line is a valuable uh, asset and Connor Tracy's arguably one of the best in the game at it. And it's not like he's, you know, a sort of subpar like player at each of those spots and can cover them in that regard. I think he's a pretty solid centre wing option, decent backup fullback to go there as well, which fits nicely for us. Um, there, there was some talk when he was uh, sort of, not right now, but earlier in the season, when he was talking about, you know, needing to find another club that he might be available for 2025. Uh, and if that was the case, I wouldn't be interested. I feel like that's, you know, when you're not getting that much value out of him. But if he's available for this season coming, then, yeah, I'm, I'm fine for it. I think it's a good pickup. Um, I think he'll probably come in and play centre for us. Uh, but, you know, depending on who stars in the preseason, if someone else is having a, you know, knockout, lights out uh, preseason, he can easily shift to another position, which is the benefit of having a player like that. So, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call it an X, you know, the term so overused these days, but an X-factor pickup, but um, it, it'd be very hard to criticise it. Yeah, the, a shrewd investment. Yeah, exactly, Quinn, exactly, a shrewd pickup. The the player that um, I would like to see the Eels look into, and uh, it might be a bit of a controversial call at the moment given some current circumstances. I, f- I feel like he's going to feature prominently in the NRL section of this uh, podcast. Yeah, um, it is uh, Josh Addo Carr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because... Oh, Josh see, Faux Par, as we call him these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I think that the Eels have had have some internal options to cover different positions. Now, uh, when I talk about internal options, I'm... I'm talking about 
potentially um, swapping of positions. Uh, we know that from the, from the start of the year or early in the year that Clint Gutherson proposed that the Eel, if the Eels could attract a quality um, game-changing fullback, that he would be prepared to change positions. And, uh, yeah, that, that came from him. Uh, it wasn't a wild suggestion by the club. Now, does, would that be Connor Tracy? Mm, not so sure. Um, could be. It could be. Maybe the Eels are looking for that to happen, in which case you'd be talking about Connor Tracy going to fullback and Clint Gutherson going to centre. Um, BA doesn't like to have a lot of uh, players changing and swapping and changing positions. Um, that simple one it could work. Uh, the other one that was floating around, uh, especially after the last round when Dylan Brown shifted to fullback when Gutho was injured, was uh, Gutherson uh, again moving to centre. Um, Dylan Brown going to fullback and potentially someone like Ethan Sanders going into the halves. Now, I don't think anything's changed with regard to Ethan Sanders and where he will eventually be, being uh, that he's made an agreement were to uh, join the Raiders in 2025. So I'm not sure that the Eels would um, toy with that idea now um, to do it just for one season. Uh, not not unless they, they feel that they have um, someone who could come in in 2025 into the halves and do a real good job almost straight away. Um, so that, that remains to be seen. But even... Even with all those scenarios, do we feel that we still lack pace out on the wing? Um, I certainly do. Um, Sevo had a less than stellar season, and um, he is now what thirty years of age. Thereabouts, um, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of Parramatta supporters out there who feel that he's maybe gone past his best and especially when it comes to his work in yardage there's never a question about uh can he is he still a threat within the opposition red zone uh if he's if he's given you know a, a bit of space and maybe only one or two players to beat there's few defenders who can bring Sevo down but when you're talking about the important role of, of uh, wingers from the backfield not too sure that he really uh, met his KPIs this season. In fact, I'm certain he didn't meet his KPIs this season. And uh, Sean Russell, well, Sean's still early in his career. He's got decent pace. He scored some good tries, like with mm. his acceleration um, getting to the corner. Um, some some tries that I didn't think he was he was going to get there, but he found a way to get the ball down over the line. Um is he blessed with blistering pace? No. Um, but he's probably got... Um, and you can't question his effort from the backfield. Mm. He doesn't have the size of Sevo, but he seemed to fight more uh, for yardage. So, um, you know, people aren't critical of, of Sean Russell in the same way that they are maybe critical of Micah Sevo. So, look, I think given what we saw at the start of the year and the number of times 
that we made line breaks but didn't have someone with the, the pace that we needed to finish them off. Um, you know, whether it be a, a Connor Tracy on the wing or my preference, a Josh Addo car, uh, we definitely need that pace out there, somewhere out wide. Um, and if it can't be at centre, it definitely has to be on the wing. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess it's a, it's a matter of um, we're probably going to find out sooner rather than later if the Eels have, have picked up someone from the Shire because pre-season is like three or four weeks away. Mm-hmm. It, it is really that close. So, um, yeah, I guess stand by. Alrighty, let's keep it moving. Uh, we go from players to coaches now, and a bit of a surprise. I wouldn't call it a backflip 60s, but a very pleasant surprise here. Um, one coach that we thought was departing from the Eels uh, was current, or as of this season, current flag coach Craig Brennan, uh, and he now finds himself staying at the club, uh, moving on to a senior role. Uh, I believe he's going to be, or he's in line to become the assistant coach in the New South Wales Cup now, which is a very nice step up for him and keeps a good bloke, a good coach, uh, in the fold in a timeline where uh, he will probably end up guiding a lot of the young talents that he's guided all the way through pathways into senior football now. Yeah, look, that that does work well, I think, from uh, Breno's perspective and also from the club's perspective. Uh, I, I know that he's, uh, Breno has enjoyed being a head coach and has graduated from being a head coach in pathways football through to assistant coach at Flegg, through to being the head coach at Flegg. And he did a fantastic job this season, really, of um, melding that team together, didn't he? You know, when you had all those players who were elevated from SG Ball and you had the players who were already in the Flegg team, and there were a lot of changes that he made mid-season to uh, bring in certainly the SG Ball spine, and a number of selected players from the SG Ball team. And to get the team where they were really playing for each other and celebrating each other's successes with, I guess, such a blended team, uh, was a, that, that was a, like a really fine coaching job from him and his staff. And it was obviously the club as well has made the decision, and, and there's nothing wrong with this decision either, in... Um, in bringing in Jordan Rankin, a recently retired player, into their Pathways coaching ranks. Now, Rankin was the assistant coach for SG Ball. Interestingly, next season, he and Steve O'Day, and Steve O'Day was the head coach and Jordan Rankin was his assistant, they go to the flag level together, but their roles reverse. So Jordan Rankin becomes the head coach and Steve O'Day then takes on the role of his assistant. Now, that left Craig Brennan without a coaching role at the club. Now, obviously, if you have the sort of record that Craig Brennan does, there's going to be other clubs that come knocking on your door and making offers. And that's, that, that happened. But, I mean, Breno is absolutely, he's a Parramatta man. And I couldn't have been happier to have heard the news that he's sticking around as the assistant coach for the New South Wales Cup team. You mentioned just then, 40. There's going to be players that are elevated from the flag team 
to the New South Wales Cup level. And uh, Breno is still working as a teacher. So this is um, a part-time role for him. Um, a lot of the coaches in the lower grades do work as part-timers. There's only so many coaches who can be full-time in the role. Nathan Kalis is full-time as the head coach for the New South Wales Cup team, and he's there as part of the NRL training every week. Uh, Breno will be there um, whenever training is uh, outside of work hours and obviously on game day. He's no stranger to the New South Wales Cup level. Now, people will remember not uh, back in 2022 when Jordan Rankin was captain coach of the New South Wales Cup team, he needed someone to be oh, in, in the, the box. Off, yeah. In the box, in that off-field role. And Breno was basically shifted from doing assistant coach for the flag, um, working um, alongside Simon Wolford in 2022 to being the assistant coach of New South Wales Cup and doing all the all the box duties and um, uh, some of the dressing room stuff at halftime, um, delivering the messages from uh, his observations. So, yeah, he's he's been involved at that level before. And there's a lot of, given his background at the club, there's a lot of players there that have come through pathways who have been coached by Breno at some stage. So I think, like you said, uh, Forty, it's going to be a, it's a good appointment because you've got a lot of young players that he's helped to mentor over the years, and I think it's probably a good thing that they've got someone on staff who's a you know very familiar face for them and someone that they know they can go to for a bit of advice, a bit of mentoring. Yes, indeed. All right, let's keep it moving. I'll let you spearhead the next discussion, 60, since you sort of uh, tipped it in the lead-off, but uh, the Blue and Gold Alliance have got some big plans. Uh, yes, they have, fellas. Uh, I went to uh, the BGA committee meeting on Monday night. Um, you know, Tremendous hard work and group of people uh, headed by uh, Billy Richards, and uh, they're moving towards planning their events for 2024. And as we know, they've got events such as uh, their the big Ted Solkowitz uh, Memorial Golf Day. They've got their reunion. Um, they have their Christmas uh, gathering. Um, and uh, they also have um, uh, uh, a get-together at, a, at a, an Eels captain's run as well. So um, they, try to, they, they try to keep it as limited um, with the with those gatherings with the big gatherings through the year because they don't want to dilute the value of, of getting people together like that um, but next year my goodness the plan and you're you're well aware of this uh, 40 because uh, you've been privy to the um, to some of the discussions around this but a, a big back to para day where they're trying to get as many of the former players and staff that have been involved at every grade level, so we're talking about NRL or first grade, reserve grade or New South Wales Cup, um, the under-20s or under-23s or third grade. So the three grades that you get, the three senior grades that you get as part of the football program, if you've been a player or an official for any 
of those grades, then you are, first of all, eligible to be a member of the Blue and Gold Alliance. Uh, they don't like to call it the Para Old Boys because um, there's actually, uh, there are already uh, females who are part of the organisation. Um, and going forward with the NRLW, there are going to be more and more women who are involved and qualify as, as being a inverted commas old boy or old girl. <laughs> but uh, you know, they don't want to call themselves old, even even if chronologically they are some of a very advanced age. Uh, they call themselves the Blue and Gold Alliance. And they are a not-for-profit organisation. Um, they're looking to keep supporting uh, the former players and staff of the Eels. If you like, they, they try to do a reasonably similar job to what the family of league does for rugby league players in general, except they're looking after the um, Eels players and officials. And what they're really doing is, I guess the first step is that keeping people connected. Because you can, the first step in being able to help people is knowing whether people need help or not. And the way that you know that is to keep, is to keep connected with everyone. And next year's plan to have that, that big day where everyone gets together for that reunion. Um, they're working on the plans for that now. So what I will say to people out there right now listening to this, and I, I said it in the bumpers up column, if you or someone that you know in your family or friends has played for the Eels or has been an official for the Eels, please get in touch with the uh, Blue and Gold Alliance Register with the Blue and Gold Alliance as a member. Um, that way you'll get the communications. There'll be a lot of publicity that will surround next year's events, but it's always good to be uh, registered with them to receive the emails and the communications about what events happen through the year. And as you know, Forty, the events that are held are fantastic. The, all the players and officials, they love catching up with people that they've... some that they wouldn't have seen for decades, some that they see every year or might see regularly. But there always seems to be people that are catching up for the first time in ages and just seeing the smiles on the faces and how much how much those days are enjoyed. I mean, we're, we're fortunate that, that we've been invited to be part of these days and to document it um, for the BGA. Um, but, you know, it's certainly a privilege being able to see all these players enjoying each other's companies and each other's company and reliving old days and old memories and, and rekindling uh, old friendships. Yeah, it is a fantastic initiative. Uh, Billy Richards, obviously, at the helm of a, a very great thing for the Parramatta Reels. And like you said, 60s, if, if these, anyone listening to the podcast either is a former Reel or knows someone who is a former Reel, uh, whether it's a player, a coach, administrator in that regard, someone that was involved with the teams, make sure to get in touch because they, they want to make this thing happen, make it something really special in 2024. Yeah, and um, and if people aren't familiar with the Blue and Gold Alliance or have have difficulty um, in getting in touch, get in touch with us. Yeah, we, we can we'll, put you on. We'll, we'll, we'll put you on to... Yeah, get you in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, boys, I think that about wraps it up for the Parramatta Eels section of the podcast. It's been a pretty quiet uh, week for the Eels, all things considering... Hopefully we can get that uh, outside back happening, whether it's Addo Carr or Connor Tracy, but we have to wait and see as we get and get closer to and gear up for the preseason. 
Let's talk some general NRL because there's been a lot happening, some good, some bad, some silly. Um, we'll start with Josh Adokar, I suppose, we get out of the way, um, who's had a pretty rough week, all things considering. He lost his spot in the Australian touring squad on the back of uh, his antics at the Koori knockout and uh, has now had to apologise for a pretty big faux pas on social media. Uh, I don't want to get into the geopolitical tensions that are happening right now uh, because obviously the Israel-Palestine stuff is pretty heavy. Um, and it's a deeply nuanced conversation that you don't want to, you know, make a, a broad stroke statement on. But that's what Josh did, um, and he's had to apologise for it. And I think that's probably enough to move on for him from there, unless you guys uh, have anything more to add to it. No, not no, at all. No. Yeah, no, so we'll, we'll move on. Well, there's other podcasts you can get your uh, hot takes for and that uh, that sort of thing. So <laughs> he made a he made a mistake. He's apologised for it, and the apology actually was pretty good. So. Um, I don't know if he has a good team riding for him or if you know, that was coming from the heart, but well done to him for quickly owning up to it. Let's move on because there's been some, um, well, not player movements per se, but there's some weird stuff happening on the market. Uh, Alex Twal, who was told he was free to uh, go and was being linked to the Bulldogs, I think, is now potentially staying at the West Tigers. Um, peak West Tigers, I suppose, so well done there. Um, Josh Curran has been told he's uh, free to negotiate with rival clubs. Uh, that's an interesting Hello. one there. Yeah. But, Hello. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty solid player right there, a guy that can play middle or edge. Was a Parramatta prospect, funnily enough. Uh, was poached away by the Roosters on a very, very uh, lucrative deal going back in the day. Um, but, yeah, he's being considered surplus to needs at the Warriors. Uh, I can tell you're in on it at 60s. What about you, Clint? Do you like uh, the idea of Curran coming back to the – the club that he was once a junior at? Yeah, look, um, it's kind of a case of, had this happened two months ago, I would have said, we we need to find a way to make it happen. Um, But, you know, we touched on it before with the Connor Tracy rumour. We really need outside backs and we're probably well, um, well sorted for forwards. But, you know, stranger things have happened and, um, you know, there might be some other movements within our own club that we're not currently, uh, information that we're not currently privy to that might make this um, an opportune signing and a, um, and a good option for us. But at present, as it stands, I think we've just about wrapped up our forwards and um, it, it's the outside backs will be the focus for us. But that's nothing, not to take anything away that, you know, um, Hills District boy, good, good Parramatta Junior Rugby League club, the Hills District Bulls. Um, uh, Josh would be a welcome addition under the right circumstances. I just don't think it's the right circumstances for our club at the minute. Yeah, yeah and I, look, I'm probably going to echo that. You know uh, full well, Forty, my opinion on Josh Curran. Uh, he, he's always been a player that I would take back in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know that our roster necessarily allows for that right now and especially with just adding to a lungy to it it's um yeah it, it feels like he'd be a quality player who would be perhaps surplus to the needs i'll tell you one thing i'll be stunned if he if he doesn't have numerous clubs yeah he's got to have a few suitors for sure calling on his eight on his player agent yeah. to have a bit of a chat so but he, yeah, hear me he, out he fellas a, hear me out Sack the back line, stack the pack. That's a political yeah. slogan for you right there. Stack the back, sack the backs, stack the pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I think you could make it work if you were to pick him up. Um, but it, again, depending on your cap space and what you can do in the back line, because you, you, you couldn't go out and sign him if it meant compromising the back line. Um, if you can get him and then go get a quality addition to the back line, then sure. And then you just, you know, you just pick your best 17 from there and you've got some great depth. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if, if signing him meant compromising in the back line, then it feels like you're taking one forward, one step forwards, two steps back. Um, you know, it's a pity, it's a pity that, um, well, I think the crucial player that um, we have missed from the lineup this year, and that's not saying, um, you know, we, it was, uh, it was unfortunate that we lost uh, Isaiah Papali'i because I think, you know, you know how I felt about ice, but Murata's capacity to play mm. both back line in the centres as well as edge and middle in the forwards was unique. Mm. And I mean, he, it was wiki esque, wasn't it? You know, like yeah. he, he is very much a modern day manifestation of Ruben Wiki. Yeah, yeah. His his presence in the squad helped us to cover um, scenarios where the Eels could lose a back, and you could have him in your in your team and swap him out to the centres either either in your selected team for the week or during a game and you weren't going to be let down by his presence out wide. So um, we we haven't been able to really recruit a back, uh, a, another player like that. I think um, there was the hope that uh, Momosia was going to be close to a similar type of versatility. Um, but uh, Jaira certainly didn't work out this season. And um, I, I guess there's rumours about players that have been tapped on the shoulder that the Eels won't stand in their way if they happen to get a contract offer in another club for next season. And maybe you'd pursue someone like Josh Curran if that sort of space became available. But I think we truly have to look at those spots that we have left and add two outside backs and potentially uh, someone who can cover spine positions as the, uh, mm. as the other player in those three spots that we have left in the top 30 roster. So uh, because we don't have the backup. We, we don't have the backup in the in the halves um, and well we would have if uh, theoretically if Ethan Standers is, was staying and was a long-term prospect to stay then then you'd have he would be a genuine uh, New South Wales Cup um, player next season I'm not sure whether they're going to play him in New South Wales Cup given that he's moving on to um, the Raiders in 2025. I don't know what their plans are around Ethan Sanders or whether they even look at doing some sort of deal before next season comes around. Um, but again, that's a, that's a whole other topic. So um, yeah. But anyway, interesting about Josh Curran. He, he, I wouldn't have seen the Warriors. Look yeah. I mean, I know that they've had a, a big breakout year of a couple of guys really emerging uh, around the forward pack, but I would have thought they would have been a big piece moving forward. So yeah, um, interesting news there. Be very keen to see where he lands. Hopefully not at a contender because we don't need the uh, the rest of the uh, Premiership contenders strengthening their rosters, but that's most likely how it's going to shake out. 
And uh, real bad news for the NRL, uh, terrible news. Apparently, uh, Tigers chairman Lee Hadjipantos is actually on the hot seat finally. Um, <laughs> truly awful, awful news for everyone but the Tigers. Fantastic news for them. Um, evidently, th- this is from Rugby League Mole, so take that with whatever amount of uh, sodium you need. But uh, his refusal to obey requests from the principal sponsors, the Holman Barnes Group, uh, which is that Bryden Lawyers? Uh, no, that's his. That's his company. Okay, uh, yeah, but yeah. apparently the principal sponsors or principal owners of West Tigers have told him to essentially pull his head in and stop being in the media every sec- like every day or every second day, is uh, falling on deaf ears. So it's a bit of a standoff there. And uh, what complicates it is he's just been re-elected by the board. So I don't know what sort of uh, protocols because I think their constitution is actually quite convoluted in terms of removing the uh, chairman. So I don't know if there's like special protocols they can enact to get rid of him, uh, but it looks like there's a bit of a standoff out at Tiger Town. But, you know, for their sakes, they would probably want to see the end of him. But then again, you know, sometimes the devil you know is better. So if any cop could find someone worse than Lee Hadjipantelis as chairman, it would be the West Tigers. Yeah, it, it's, it just feels like another Tiger Town story, doesn't it? I mean, it just feels so typical, unfortunately, for West Tigers supporters that, there is always some sort of drama that's going on, um, and more often than not, it seems to be behind the scenes. Mm. Yeah, it's the compounding snowball effect, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and he's at he's at the centre of, of of that spider web. Yeah, and so what what tips in his favour is that if he goes, the one million dollar principal sponsorship goes with him yeah. from Bryden's lawyer. So that's a big black hole to have to replace. The West Tigers aren't exactly... I know that they're a popular team in terms of juniors, uh, but not the most marketable team right now on a corporate level. So that could be a big issue. But, yeah, I mean, it has just been a clown fiesta for years under his guidance. So it would be in their best interest to move on. uh, But who knows? Who knows? All right, let's keep it moving. Um, On to... Some interesting news. Um, Kibra Park Boys has split with the Gold Coast Titans to join up with Sydney Club, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They've inked the three-year deal. Um, these things don't guarantee that all the kids will end up signing with the club, I suppose, but it does give them a strong running on the inside to get the you know the first look at and first signing opportunities uh, for these kids. But Kibra Park, obviously popularised by players like Benji Marshall, more recently Payne Haas and Reese Walsh. Uh, pretty bold move from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And on, I find it interesting that a school can link with a club like it, that. It to, seems anti-competitive, doesn't it? Yeah, like yeah, I, I don't know. There's it's not in I'm, the player's I'm, best interest, arguably. Well, I, I'm I'm assuming that we the Kibra Park is a public high school. Um, it'd be that's a state government high school, isn't it? Kibra Park High. Let me just Google, but I'm pretty certain you're right. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's it's part of the private school system. In, so so in, we need to understand that there's a memorandum of understanding between Kibra Park and the South Sydney Rabbitohs Rugby League Football Club that they will that they are now partners in junior development, or is mm. this sort of just something that's like, um, yeah, look, you're going to get first shot at it's, our, it's our boys. We build as an NRO affiliation. So right. I, I imagine it would have to be getting first dibs. You, you couldn't sign exclusivity contracts. Uh, it, it, that's not how the NRL operates in terms of the juniors, right? Once you're at an age to sign a contract, whereas junior or senior if, uh, with any sort of club, you, there is no exclusivity. 
but it would give. Well, I can't, I can't imagine that a high school could have any say in who their players link with for when they finish their schooling or even even during their school. Mm. Uh, it's um, yeah, it, it would be it would be as if the school is acting as the player agent. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and a restraint of trade at that. Uh, I'm, the only thing that I can assume is that, and, and I haven't read the article on this, but that this any sort of understanding that exists between the Rabbitohs and Kibra Park High would relate to things like um, uh, providing equipment and... Um, development opportunities for their players via things such as um, uh, training camps, mm. apprenticeship camps, things like that. I, I, you know, Absolutely. the sort of thing, the sort of thing that you used to see happen at uh, Parramatta when Fieldsy was there, and he would have the apprenticeship camp that would happen every year when he'd bring in um, the distance players, players from country New South Wales, from. Um, from Queensland, from New Zealand, and they would do um, a week of camp um, in uh, over the um, the middle of the preseason, which would then uh, tie in with uh, junior rep team trials, and they would participate in the trials, and uh, then then go back to their homes where. Uh, and and they basically would have most of these these players had a contract of sorts that tied them with the eels, um, but uh, there was a decision that was made that they would stay at home to finish their schooling or or would come down to the eels at a, at an older age than than you know say the um, than a Harold Matt's age they they might come down for SG ball or Jersey flag. Uh, but wouldn't come down any any younger. They'd let them stay at home to finish their schooling, or, or you know, or until such time that they were old enough to leave home. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of you know apprenticeship camps that they'd be involved in the the Rabbitohs, sending staff up there to to work with the players. You'd have to think there's got to be something in the rap in it for the Rabbitohs. Uh, in terms of yeah, you don't you don't uh, invest those sort of resources about getting a strong kickback, right? In terms of the talent, so they're, they're... maybe it works the other way, John. Maybe it's um, that the Rabbitohs are able to place their Queensland contracted players, the younger ones. Yeah, instead of having to like fully relocate them. Yeah, yeah, that's actually not a bad shot. So, you know, so the Keeper Park program. They're in an elite program, but they don't have to fully relocate to New South Wales. Yeah, 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 that's it. And so they, the Keeper Park becomes like a, a local resource in Queensland for South rather than rather than being the other way around where South have the um, any sort of shot at the players that are at Keeper Park, that our South are more involved in placing elite Queensland talent at Keeper Park. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. All righty, yep. well, we'll have to wait and see how that relationship plays out and whether it benefits South Sydney in any meaningful way. Um, it, do, it does feel like Kiber Park has sort of fought, not fallen off, but Palm Beach, Corumbin sort of risen up as probably one of the premier uh, feeders in that same district. So, interesting to see how it works out for South Sydney. 
a um, couple pieces of uh, bits and bobs before we get into the uh, Pacific Test previews. Uh, we forgot to talk about it, but uh, the was it the Battle on the Reef, which should have been called the Beef on the Reef, and they could have served Surf and Turf. Um, but uh, a couple of eels involved in that one there. Uh, Junior Barlow up against, was it Ben Hannett, I believe? And uh, Reagan yeah. Campbell Gillard up against uh, Jason Tamalolo. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Junior violently dispatched of Hannett. Uh, that was a complete mismatch in the first round. Uh, absolutely destroyed him. And uh, Reg, although he was a split decision, I thought that was pretty generous to Jason. Um, I thought he pretty thoroughly outboxed uh, Tamalo on that one and actually looks like pretty competent as a boxer for a guy that doesn't have a background like Junior does. Yes. Yeah. So it's... They did, they did what, the best part of a month of uh, boxing Yeah, just, just about a month of boxing camp, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Reg, he had the um, the, sort of the cagey left arm out there, kind of zoning and obscuring John Tamalolo's vision. Did a good job uh, trading, and and Junior, who has a, a strong background in boxing, no surprises that he was able to account for Hannett in the way he did. And thankfully, the uh, referee didn't allow the fight to go on because that would have been uh, mm. gross negligence. And we've seen a bit of that with our boxing MMA in recent times. Uh, I think uh, Tim Zhu's last fight. Uh, the the ref let the guy fight on for about a round and a half longer than it should have, uh, and he was literally lining up punches against his American opponent, which was just awful. Uh, but yeah, well done to the Eels boys, and thankfully they look like they got out unscathed, which is a big thing for me. Um, no broken wrists, no Dang broken good. facial, uh, you know, components. So, yep, exactly. There's a, a lot that can go wrong in a, you know, even just a concussion can just linger mm-hmm. massively. So. Uh, we got out unscathed, it looks like, and the boys can now... Well, Junior now jets off to join Samoa and captain them, which we'll talk about very shortly. Uh, but Reg, I believe, should be clear to get back into preseason training. And uh, yes. one little bit of good news. Uh, nice news to finish up on before we get into the previews. Former Parramatta Real and one of my favourite junior prospects of all time, Bevan French, has won the Super League Man of Steel, boys. So well done to Bev there. Um, and good to see him carving up in the uh, English Super League. Yeah, um, they're in the grand final um, yeah, this week. Against, against Catalans, Wigan versus Catalans this week to decide who will take on Penrith for the World Club Challenge. Yeah, and um, the other thing too uh, to mention is um, uh, we've got a current NRL, Eels NRLW player, Mahalia Murphy, who is participating in the current season of SAS Australia. I missed, oh, no. I missed that. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. So I'm not much of a free-to-air TV watcher these days. So there you go. You got me for a good one there, 60s. Yep. So um, she's, uh, she's in, the, in the current season. And um, uh, there's, um, yeah, the, there's, there's actually a, a bit of a, a Q&A article uh, with her in the uh, Blue Mountains uh, Gazette. Uh, that uh, I was reading, and um, uh, of course, you know the old question: why, why on earth are you doing this show? Was uh, just experience something a bit different and different challenge, different environment. Well, it is. It's over in the deserts of the Middle East. I think that the um, that they're they're doing this season. So uh, talk about a harsh environment and a different environment. That's Tatooine in Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, quite the quite the challenge for them. So, um, uh, and of course they they 
really dig deep into the people that participate in this show with trying to dig out their uh, personal demons and challenges and, um, you know, get them to find uh, an inner resolve to take on the challenges. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the how the show evolves for uh, Mahalia. So, um, yeah. And now our, um, our own thoughts on this season's first round of matches in the Pacific Challenge. Yeah, so we got the, the two dueling sets of Pacific Championships in the male and female spaces, and then later in the month, which we'll cover in another podcast, uh, Tonga take on England in a three-game series. So that's not until the 23rd, I believe. So we've got a couple of weeks on that one there, or a bit under two weeks, sorry, if I can do basic maths. Um, let's start with the Pacific Championship Women's Edition, uh, kicking off on Saturday the 14th. The Jillaroos taking on the Kiwi Ferns, 6 o'clock p.m., Queensland Country Bank Stadium, so the Cowboys' home stadium right there. Uh, yeah, you got Upton up against Nichols at fullback, Chapman and Robinson on the wings for the Aussies, Biddle and Tufunga on the wings for the Kiwis. Uh, Sergis and Kelly, the all- I mean, they're from the same club, so crazy all-star pairing in the centres right there. Uh, up against Parker and Hufunga, the wrecking ball. That's a, a great matchup right there. In the halves, former Eel Ashley Quinlan, will uh, help steer the Kiwis around alongside Racing McGregor. Taryn Aiken and Ali Brigginshaw are a superstar pairing for the Aussies. Front rows see Amato and Elliston up against Hill Moana and Tia Karangi Katoa. In the dummy half slots, Kiwi Davis takes on Brooke Anderson, another former real there. Uh, you got Kezi Apps and Olivia Koenig on the edges against Tessa Poole and LaShawn Albert-Jones. Samima Taufa, I keep saying that, former real, uh, up against Georgia Hale. Samima, obviously, an outstanding player and is going to be huge for the Aussies there. On the interchange, you got Tonegato, Johnston, Charrington, uh, one ill rep there for the, uh, I was about to say, the plonk golf, the green and gold, uh, and Shall We Bent. And on the Kiwi side, you've got uh, Nathan Wong, Nevada George, again, former real, uh, Fogavini and Pasakala. Jeez, Fogavini, that's a... So you've got one of the most Italian surnames you've ever seen uh, playing for the Kiwis. There you go, interesting. And then extended rosters feature Lauren Brown, Emma Manzelman, Kiwi Joseph, up against uh, Abigail Roach, uh, Shayel Robbins-Retti, Tiana Davison, and Capri Payakau, a current eel. So nice to say current instead of former there. Uh, no doubt this is probably the pick of the uh, matches uh, in the Pacifica women's space. Aussies up against the Kiwis. And they lead it off. Uh, the other game will cover very shortly, but it's Samoa versus Fiji. Um, but the winner here takes a big step towards claiming the title, obviously. Yeah. Um, look, it's hard to go past Australia in, yeah. this, in this match. The Kiwis uh, will no doubt be fired up, and they've got some real great weapons in this team. Obviously, a lot of eyes will be on Hafanga and the matchup. I'm not sure if he takes on Sergis or Kelly, um, because international uh, settings can always see players swapping sides and whatnot. Uh, but the Aussies will be strong favourites. I, I don't think there's a betting line out for this one here yet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, not to say the Kiwis can't beat the Aussies, boys, uh, but they'd be outsiders. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, look, I'll, I'm going to tip that uh, Australia win this by 13-plus. Um, yep. Quint, how do you see this one playing out, mate? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling even a little bit more bullish. I'm going to go 20, 20 points or more. I, I will uh, tack where you guys sort of are uh, going the opposite way. I will say this one will be a little bit closer. I think the Aussies will prevail, but maybe by single digits. I think maybe the Kiwis come out and they'll be fired up. And if they can maintain the rage, that's, that's obviously the, the key part here is it's all well and good to come out for 20 minutes and 
bash and barge and you know hit hard. But if you can't keep those fires stoked, then the Aussies will just run over the top of you. Um, but hopefully this can be a very close one. I'll tip an Aussie victory, but by about eight points. Right, yeah. Okay, so the other fixture in the first round of the Pacific Championships Women's Edition is the Fatu Samoa up against the Fiji Women, 1.45pm on Sunday the 15th. This one's taking place at Santos National Football Stadium, Port Moresby. Uh, so this would be a, a very fired-up crowd, one would think. Um, even if they haven't got a, a vested interest in this game, they'll still be out in droves, I dare say. Just looking through the two teams here, see if we can recognise anyone. Patessa Leo, former Eels yep. pathway prospect right there. Uh, Lindsay Tui, current Eels uh, talent and NRLW rep. So good to see you there. Uh, Serena Naitoka Toka was once an Eel in our first season. Um, I think she's at the West Tigers now. Um, he said with yep. an inflected question mark there. Uh, then we got, what else? Destiny Brill's a current NRLW player. Nua Sala, Bahuka Berryman Duff. There's a Parramatta Eel. And Tamira Liardi, another former Parramatta Eels Pathways prospect. So, yeah, a couple of our Eels or former Eels repping here, mostly for Samoa. So I suppose that's where our hearts would be uh, back in this one here. And I don't know, this this one is a very open game for me to try and get a read on, boys. Uh, not as many established NRL stars in this one compared to the other games, or other games, sorry, uh, which means that this it's a great sort of blank canvas for these girls and these women to carve out their own sort of a folk legend with here, but it also means it's very difficult to get a beat on who's going to win. Yeah, look, I think based on a little bit of familiarity with um, uh, certain players, I'll be tipping the Samoan team to mm-hmm. get the job done here, but I have no confidence in talking <laughs> about any sort of margins or or, <laughs> or or how it will play out. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm hoping to see um, some fast open football yeah. in this one. It, it, you know that that's going to be typical of Fijian play. It's whether they're playing rugby league or rugby union, uh, Fijian football is basically throw that ball around. And um, I, I think the Samoan team might be prepared to accommodate them there. So I'm actually thinking it might be an entertaining game to watch. Here's to hoping, which uh, brings us to the male space where at 8.10pm on Saturday the 14th of October uh, at Queensland Country Bank Stadium Townsville. So it would be a double header, I imagine, then. I, I didn't realise these things had lined up like that. Uh, you got the Kangaroos taking on Toa Samoa. Uh, captaining the Kangaroos is James Tedesco up against uh, Sua Luvi Faalongo. Dylan Edwards, who got caught into the team following Josh Adokar's cut uh, uh, in the wake of the Koori knockout stuff, will be on the wing. He makes his international debut uh, out of position, but that's to be expected, I suppose. He'll be opposite Selwyn Cobo uh, for Toa Samoa. Murray Talangis, uh, speaking of, uh, well, I suppose, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, not abandoning, but... Um, change of allegiance. Yeah, change of allegiance yeah. here, which is always good to see, though. It is always good to see defecting to a... I hate to use the term lesser, but you know it, it's still a developing rugby league country in regards to Australia, New Zealand, and England. Uh, but bolstering the international game, Murray Tongi going onto the flank for Toa Samoa, well done there. Uh, but it's a good back line because he's opposite Brian To'o. In the centres, the Hammer, Tabi Fido and Katoni Staggs up against Isaac Tungo and young Tonwa Pia. Uh, so the, the centres for Samoa would have been a bit stronger if uh, Jerome Luai hadn't busted his shoulder because that means that Stephen Crichton is in at 5'8", which is a bit of a decision, but that's where they're at. Um, so he would have been in the centres otherwise, which helps them there. But uh, Crichton's up against Munster, 
Parramatta's own Dejan Arcee up against Thelly Cherry Evans. So obviously a bit of a golfing talent and experience in the halves there, uh, which is still remains the biggest single issue for these uh, uh, tier 1.5, I suppose, because they're not tier 2, but they're not tier 1 either. Uh, the, the spine remains the biggest issue for these tier 1.5 teams. And we see that with Tolos Samoa's uh, lineup here. In the front row, you've got Haas up against Itoi Kamanu, Tino Fasomali up against our very own Junior Balo, and Ben Hunt up against Gordon Chen Kam Tong. So it's a pretty good front row for the uh, Tolos Samoans there. Uh, Stefano and Junior, no chump change, and Gordon's one of the better young dummy half prospects going around. But that front row for the Aussies obviously outstanding. Haas and Tino Fasomali are we just you know, pure class. On the edges, Cam Murray and Liam Martin up against Luciano Lelua and Connolly Lemelu, who was a bit of a breakout player for the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins, wasn't it, this season? Or was he mm. still was this a Dolphin or a Cowboy? This is, yeah, it's, he's a Dol- he became a Dolphin this season. Yeah, and he was, a bit, he was a bit of a breakout player for them. At lock forward is Io up against Keenan Palacia. On the interchanges, it's Grant, Collins, Carrigan and Cotter up against Spencer, Lenyu, Terrell May, Helam Lukey and Ronald Volkman. So a pretty good interchange there for the Tolos Mullins. Extended roster is not that anyone really cares, given that the top 17 is probably locked in, but you've got Nico Hines, Jake Dubovich, Thomas Flegler, Valentine Holmes. Holmes, obviously, still suspended for one game, barring they are definitely not taking drugs picture. And then uh, Royce Hunt, Justin Matamua, Greg Mazu, and Tommy Talau. Main official, Grant Atkins. In the box, Phil Henderson running the sidelines, Wyatt Raymond, and sorry, Phil Henderson and Wyatt Raymond running sidelines in the box, Ashley Klein. Uh, so, yeah, Start the season off with a bang here. Um, Australia going to be probably close to unbackable favourites, but Tolo Samoa coming off a World Cup campaign where they uh, turned a lot of heads on on route to making the uh, grand final. Um, they would want revenge here, but can they do it? No, nah, not not with the respective spines as they are. Mm-hmm. It, um, it is just such a bottleneck, isn't it? Uh, they've got a, yeah. you know a great back line. They've got some quality in the forward pack. They've got a decent interchange. Obviously, you know, we, we, we love Dejan and he's done a good job for Paramount Reels, but he's up against Dowie Cherry Evans. Like that, yeah. you know, you're talking 300 games of NRL experience plus, you know, 30 plus rep games of experience. It, it is a gulf of, you know, just knowledge and experience and, and understanding of the game. Yeah, the other thing I'm a bit unhappy about is naming Dylan Edwards as a winger. Now, I've got, I'm a, you know, I, I think Dylan Edwards is an absolutely brilliant player. His he, his role in the Panthers' three-peat should not in any way be underestimated. His his game back in 2022 in that grand final against, against our Eels was one of the most impressive fullback performances I've ever seen in a grand final. Uh, he, he is truly uh, one of the key factors in Penrith doing uh, three premierships on the trot but selection on a wing when he just he's not he doesn't go close to playing on a wing you know like I don't know I mean it's a bit of a it's a bit of a lifetime achievement award isn't it for being part of the four grand finals and not getting a rep jersey yeah, it, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Now, he's not going to feel that way because he's finally got an Australian jersey and um, tremendous congratulations to him for that. He's He is probably worthy of having an Australian jersey. For sure. Uh, but 
you know, I also feel like, okay, I know that Josh Adokar lost his spot uh, because of the off-field stuff, but uh, is there not another winger that's available that is deserving of Australian selection that could have been brought in to play on the wing? Um, I mean, is that is is it now simply like, um, look, we'll, we'll just we'll just select the best the players that we think are the best that are available at the moment, uh, regardless of position, and we'll find a spot for them. Uh, because if that's the case, fine. But you know, I, I don't necessarily believe that that should be the factor in um, in you know putting together a team, especially when some of these these roles now are so specialised. And winger is is one of those specialised positions now, um, you know. And and I can understand when you've got players who um, can swap between those positions, most notably in teams where you've got a winger who, when the fullback is out, can be called upon to play fullback. But I'm I'm trying to think that whether I've ever seen Dylan Edwards play on the wing, and I'm struggling. And I'm not saying he can't, but I'm struggling to think. When was the last time he played wing? Has he ever played wing at senior level? Um, maybe it's worth... Not to my knowledge. A bit of a, bit of a, um, a look on a rugby league project. Maybe they've, maybe they've got it listed. But um, anyway, fellas, sorry for taking that off on a bit of a tangent there. But uh, whilst, whilst you're talking amongst yourselves, I'm going to do a bit of a dig into his background. So, um, yeah, take it away. Uh, Quinn, I'll offer this to you. Australia's probably going to win this. So I don't think that's unreasonable to put out there. What would, be, what would be a positive outcome for Samoa from this game in a defeat? Staying in the fight and not letting the scoreboard get away um, and making Australia work for the victory. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a fair comply that Australia will win. But if they have to win it in the last five minutes, then that should be a successful, a deemed success for um, the Samoan team. And look, this is a very different Samoan team to the one that took um, field at Old Trafford in the uh, World Cup final last year. I think there's only about like four or five players from that side that ran out on the field uh, or, or from the 17 that, that took place, um, took their place in that game. So, you know, there's, there's a couple of, um, couple of guys um, in here, you know, Dejanasi being an example of such, but this is a really big occasion for them. So, you know, I, I hope for, from a selfish perspective, um, you know, firstly, none of our players get injured. Secondly, a guy like Dejanasi comes out of this game all the better for the experience for having played against this caliber of quality of team and players um, because it's only going to set him and the Eels in good stead moving forward. Okay, I have an answer, fellas. All right, and gave you enough time. Dive. Okay, so Dylan Edwards um, isn't listed as playing wing at New South Wales Cup level. He didn't play too many games at New South Wales Cup level. But from his, his debut in 2016, in round 18, was on the wing. There you um, go. Huge sample his, size. Yep, his, <laughs> his, his second game in the NRL was in round two of 2017, also on the wing. And from that point, since round uh, two of 2017, his second NRL game, he has played one game on the wing, and that was um, in round five of 2019. 
but every every other um, game since then, he has he has not played uh, on the wing. And for some reason, they played in that uh, in that game in uh, 2019. They played Dallin Martini Zalesniak at fullback and Dylan Edwards on the wing. So. I remember Interact. that particular season he had the yips because that was the year that yeah, he, he was dropping everything the yeah. Panthers and we put up a couple of high balls that he was less than comfortable under. Yeah, it, it all, that was like a crossroads for his career, it felt like, where mm. he, he actually got inside his own head and was dropping everything. Mm. Ended up getting dropped to cup for a little bit and, you know, well done to him for, for not just rebuilding but elevating his game to the elite tier from there. But, yeah, crazy that, you know, kind of like a Manu Vatavai-esque moment there where it was so bad you couldn't believe it was in first grade. But, yeah, you know, like I said, he went from that to being one of the most vital pieces in a free beat. So well done to Dylan Edwards. It, it doesn't really contextualise the uh, selection to the, the Kangaroos still, doesn't it? But, uh, uh, you know, well done to him for that. He definitely deserves being picked in the squad, but uh, you make an argument for picking him over the incumbent fullback. But then again, that would then uh, in sort of invoke the name of Reese Walsh, wouldn't it? So... Uh, lots of politics in the kangaroo selection, I suppose. But uh, let's uh, move on. We've, we've all got the, the Roos winning and winning handily. I don't think we need to make too many predictions there. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the second game. And bearing in mind that this specific championships, we, we did speak about it last week, but uh, there's essentially a cup and shield in play here where the, the top teams will play for the premier title and the bottom teams will still be uh, playing on the same week for the, the shield or whatever you want to call it. Um, and this game here features the PNG Kumuls up against the Cook Islands Aitu, uh, Sunday, the 15th of October, 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, no surprise, this one is out at Santos National Football Stadium, Port Moresby, so the other part of the second double header there, uh, for those that couldn't put that together, like me initially. Um, looking at these two teams, I'll just shout out some of the big names that you might recognise, boys. Kumul side, you got at fullback Alex Johnston. Uh, there's the two layup boys, Zach and Kyle. Uh, Zach, obviously the Cowboys uh, reserve back, I suppose, uh, who's in the centres. Kyle, 5'8". Nana McDonald is still around. He's playing on the wing. Lockie Lamb, who's in the Super League right now, playing halfback. Uh, then you've got uh, Jack DeBellin. I didn't realise he had uh, Cornwall's heritage there, so that's a big name there at lock forward. Uh, and after that, it's not too many we'd probably recognise there. Wellington Albert. Uh, was... Dan, Ru- Dan Russell finally made his NRL debut for the Dragons. This year, after go. being around for and some time, Jacob Alec is another name I recognise there too. He's played a little bit of NRL, I believe. Um, and then on the extended roster, Wellington Albert, who was that original? Was it Penrith? The original Penrith sensation that uh, Joey and Fitler spotted at the hotel was a as a hotel, uh, not consigliere, but like the the one that helps the hop. That uh, the concierge, yeah, maybe the one that helps with the luggage and whatnot. So, um, but that's on the Kumul side. On the I two side. Um, you've got, uh, speaking of young Sharks backs, Kyle Iro. Then there's Isam Masters, Stephen Masters, Brad Takarangi, captaining the team at 5 8 Good to see Brad still running around, even if he's retired from uh, the English Super League. Davey Mowali, the young South Sydney talent. Uh, Rua Ngatakura, from the West, well, he was from the West Tigers, I think he's been moved on. Zane Tedavano, uh, Ruben Porter. Um, Maka. Maka, you've skipped over Maka. Did I skip? I did too. Maka has Makatoa right there. I just, I saw Ngatakura and I was, uh, I just scrolled down from there. Um, I just realized for uh, for the Kumuls, the uh, Apapi's not playing. 
Is that because the Super League's on right now? It's still on? Is he still playing Super League? Who's he play for? I can't. I can't remember who he plays. For. Edwin Apapo. Uh, he, he plays for Lee Leopard, so they were knocked out. Yeah, so maybe he's injured then because he was one of the real breakout stars last time they played in the World Cup, uh, and really caught a lot of eyes. So it's a shame. Um, but yeah, and from there, I don't think there's twenty other names in the Cook Island squad. Uh, obviously, Murata's now entrenched in the New Zealand squad, so he was one of their biggest reps prior to that for the Cook Islands. Um, but this one's going to be. I mean that the Port Moresby crowd are going to be parochial. Mm. Like, they're, they're going to be off the, you know, charts in terms of their cheering and uh, uh, getting involved in this game. So that's going to be a huge boost for the Kumuls. Uh Is it enough to get them over the line, boys? You know what? They always lift. They, they just find a way to combine and play above themselves every time they take the field. I'm going to tip a Kumuls win. At home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quint, how do you see this one playing out, mate? Oh, likewise. The, the, a Papua New Guinean crowd is the rugby league crowd. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about the only country in the world in which rugby league is the national sport. So just let that sink in for a little bit. For anyone, um, that shouldn't be news to any of our listeners, but if, if it is, let that sink in. Um, they... They are parochial. They are passionate, and they—they'll be riding every hit up. They'll learn, you know, rugby league crowds generally tend to follow and, and track the run of play. When there's a half break, you, you see plenty in the crowd sort of uh, half get to their feet and the R's and O's as that happens. You know, this is a crowd that'll be riding every every hit up and every tackle. Yeah, it's it's damn hard to win over there, and and, and those PNG boys hit. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll hurt you. yeah. They'll physicality will be one of the coin cards of this game. I'm going to back you too with uh, the Cornwalls getting up on the scoreboord. Uh, should be a very fun game to watch. I imagine there's going to be a few mistakes and a few errors in this one. That it's going to be so physical and fast that it should be entertaining nonetheless. And yeah, the, the crowd is always a treat for this one. And uh, we'll, we'll probably get a bit of feedback from uh, TC. I say TC's own, but our associate Joey Grimer there, 60s. He's uh, entrenched deeply in the PNG program now. And he'll be out yeah, there, we no must, doubt. We must, uh, we must look to get him on uh, the podcast, have a bit of a chat about how he's, uh, how things are progressing up there because he's, he's been very busy with the pathways, getting those organised. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure we, we can organise to get him on and have a bit of a chat about uh, life and work up in PNG. And that's definitely something to look forward to in a future episode of the Tip Sheet. But for now, with the timer just ticking over an hour and ten, boys, I think we should start to wrap it all up. Um, another quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Rowan and Parramatta. Uh, I mean, fantastic sponsors. We can't ask anything more of them. They've been incredible for us and help us get our content out each and every episode. Boys, it's been a really fun episode. Got to talk some Parramatta Real stuff, some general NRL stuff. Had a bit of a oh, chuckle. And, um, and, and something coming up for us too, mate, that we should mention before we sign off. We've got the uh, presentation evening for the Parramatta District uh, Junior Rugby League. Uh, next week. There you go. And, so uh, give you all the we'll feedback be, from that one. We'll be bringing new news from um, from that in next week's podcast. Um, and, uh, and, and a shout out to uh, Paraleagues there as well, because their, their sponsorship of the uh, of Junior Rugby League um, in the Parramatta District is second to none. Um, uh, when I say sponsorship, well, basically they... It's their funding. 
of the of the junior rugby league uh, competition in in Parramatta. It's uh, it goes a long way to ensuring that lots of boys and girls can participate in playing rugby league, um, and at a cost that's uh, extremely affordable for for families. And uh, that's what it's all about: that participation in in sport for uh, the community. Yes, indeed. So on that note, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Go you eels.